The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit hopehillchurch.org. Hi, everyone. It's so good. Uh, I mean that. It's so good to still be able to connect, even though the ways we connect are different. Um, it's so good to be able to to do this during this time. And I'm excited for what God has laid in my heart uh, to share with you today and for the next several weeks. You know, we're going through a season unlike any other time in our lives. Uh, very few times in the history of the world have there been situations and circumstances uh, like there are now. And I know that these times, this season, has us wondering about a lot of things. Uh, the coronavirus is spreading. It's now in, in basically every country around the world. The stock market has dropped and dropped and dropped and crashing. Uh, many people are wondering about their retirement. Uh, the situation just seems so unknown and uncertain. People are panicking. Some people are hoarding what they can get a hold of. Uh, I've even heard and seen articles recently about certain manufacturers having to stop producing things like pork and meat. I don't say any of this to um, try and stir up more anxiety. You know, we want to come together to give hope. And that's what we are about. So what should we do? Should we just ignore all of this and act as if nothing's happening and go on about things as much as possible, like uh, with life as usual? Well, you would have to break certain laws and guidelines in order to do that. And that would not be wise to do either. But should we become hoarders and go into panic mode and start buying up all the hand sanitizer and toilet paper and food and stock our refrigerators. I've even seen that appliance stores are getting uh, sold out of things like freezers uh, as people are trying to store meat. You know, there's, there's some wisdom about being able to take care of your family and being planned and prepared in advance. But more than anything, we are here to bring hope. We are here to be light in the midst of darkness. And my hope is to be a source of encouragement in your life. I've been encouraged just by the things that I feel like I've been hearing from God, the things I've been reading in his word, uh, the conversations I've been having with other friends of mine who are pastors and faith leaders. And today, I want to bring a word of encouragement we're going to dive into deeper truths over the weeks to come. So I encourage you, if you're tuning in for maybe one of the first times, that you keep coming back. Each week we'll be diving in a little deeper and giving some practical things on what to do with fear and worry and anxiety during this time. Uh, so my hope is that you'll come in and you'll join us. I don't pretend to be an expert. Uh, I don't know where all of this is going. But I will try to speak to all of this from a faith perspective. There are some very key things that we need to keep in mind. We're not called to live by fear, but instead by faith. In the study we just concluded through the book of John, 
Actually, we'll be concluding it today as an entry into our next series. Jesus said these words in John 14, 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. This was the passage I spoke from the very first week. We had a church and a new form, a live stream. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, Jesus said. In verse 27 of chapter 14, Jesus said, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. The world's peace is based on a lot of unchanging circumstances, and that's not peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. I love the way the New Living Translation says it. Uh, I am leaving you with a gift. Uh, peace of mind and peace of heart. And the peace that I give as a gift, the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Here's some truths that we're going to stand on, that we're going to have as our firm foundation. Our God is faithful. Our God is in control. Our God is good. Our God has your goodness at mind. Our God will even take this circumstance and situation and use it for his glory. He's working in all things, even this season. I'm not one that believes that God sent coronavirus to the earth, but I do believe that God will use coronavirus. And I believe that he wants to use it in your life. He wants to use this situation, this circumstance, and this storm to, to, to transform us, to bring us closer in line with who he wants us to be in our walk with him. 2 Timothy 1, 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power of love and of self-discipline. So, what does it take in order to not have fear or worry? Do you need to be some kind of super spiritual superhero? No. Because even those who are often considered the, the, um, the great leaders of our time, the examples that we look to in Scripture, the apostles, the disciples, the closest friends of Jesus, even they doubted. Even they had times of fear. In their lives where we left off with them over the last couple of weeks, we had Jesus preparing them for his departure and him telling them, don't worry, I'm not going to leave you and abandon you. Although many of us sometimes often feel like we've been left alone and abandoned in the midst of this situation. Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you or forsake you or abandon you, but instead I will be with you. I will be with you in the form of the helper, the Holy Spirit who will come as I leave. The father will send you another helper who will come and comfort you and guide you and lead you and teach you all things that you need to know. He will also give you power so that you can be my witnesses and be the light that I need you to be in the midst of the dark times that will come. There will be suffering in the world, but take heart, I have overcome the world and I will be with you. That's his promise to us. And so in the midst of this trying time, in the midst of the uncertainty, in the midst of this season that we're going through, let us stand upon the truths that we have seen already in our past lives 
in, in, in the circumstances and situations where God has shown up in times and we had no idea where hope was coming from, let us stand upon the things we know to be true. The things of scripture, the, 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 the stories and examples we've seen working in our lives already, and let's let that be our firm foundation. I want to close our time in the book of John today with this truth. You see, the book of Matthew ends with the disciples, some of them still doubting. They had just come through the season we had seen unfold, that we just celebrated with Easter, with Jesus dying on the cross in our place and rising again, coming and eating with them on a number of times, appearing to crowds of up to 500 people, giving them assurance that nothing happened out of his control, that everything that happened was in accordance with scriptures, that he had come to die, to conquer sin and death, and in victory rise again to give us new life, and to make new life possible for all who would believe in him. And yet some still doubted. In the book of Matthew, uh, it says this. Let me just read this to you from the book of Matthew. Um, the eleven disciples left for Galilee. Galilee was right the hometown where Jesus grew up, where many of these uh, uh, disciples had grown up. They had gone back home, and Jesus gave them some, uh, some parting words as he was preparing to leave. This is from Matthew chapter 28. The eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, some worshipped him, but some doubted. There are reasons to doubt at times. Jesus had been with them for three years. He was now getting ready to leave. And they're wondering, what is this next season going to be like for us? Everything's changed. We are living in uncertain times. Some of us are doubting. And Jesus said to them, verse 18, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus had come to accomplish what only he could do, but to prepare us to do what we are called to do to go and to let others know of his love, to teach others the ways of Jesus, to follow in his footsteps, to love others as he loved us, and to see the kingdom of heaven come to earth. And so, this is our calling, and this was the calling of the disciples, but some doubted. Look at the closing chapter with me of John chapter 21. If you have your Bibles, turn there. It's the last chapter uh, we started this journey a year ago, going chapter by chapter through the book of John. And today, we use it as a segue into this season. And, you know, it's no circumstance. Uh, this this uh, season did not come and catch God by surprise. And the truths that he has for us apply even more now than ever. So Jesus, we just celebrated last week. Him rising from the dead and him preparing the disciples to continue the mission. And here we have one of the last encounters with Jesus and the disciples recorded in the book of John. After the resurrection of Jesus and him appearing 
Eight days later to Thomas, we start the book, the chapter 21. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, which is also called the Sea of Galilee. About a year ago, a group of us got to be in Israel and we got to go to the spot where it is believed that Jesus had this conversation with his disciples. And for those of you who have been around a while, you know I like to collect things as memorials of what God has done or where I've been. And I grabbed this rock from the shore at the spot that is believed where Jesus had breakfast with his disciples on this morning that we're about to read about. It's kind of cool. I don't know if you can see it well, but I reached in as far as I could without getting too wet into the Sea of Galilee, and I reached in and grabbed this rock as a reminder of Jesus meeting us on this earth to do something as simple as having breakfast. We'll read about that now. So let's continue on. He met them by the Sea of Galilee. You see, they were just up on the mountain. They had just been given commandments of what to do. And what does Peter do? (laughs) So many times we're so surprised by Peter's reactions. And sometimes in times of doubt, we will, by default, simply go back or revert to things that we're used to. We can sometimes in seasons like this go back to bad habits. There are some friends that I have who have struggled with some things. And during this season, they let me know that temptations have been hard. And things that they had control over have now come back into their lives. Sometimes in times of doubt and seasons of wonder, we go back to what we know. When it comes to Peter, what do we know of Peter? In Luke chapter 5, we see one of the first encounters between Jesus and Peter. And Peter was fishing. So check out this story today, remembering that three years earlier, Jesus met Peter on a seashore. And Peter had just finished the night of fishing. And you remember how many fish he caught? Check out today's story. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of the disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know what's going on. Jesus has just come and he died. And yes, he came back to life, but he's now telling us he wants us to go and make disciples. I don't, I don't know what's going on. Some of us are doubting what's going on. And, but you know what I do know? I know how to fish. I'm going fishing. So Simon sets out. And Simon, we know, becomes one of the leaders of the church. He becomes one of the great heroes of faith in Scripture. He writes letters in the Bible, First and Second Peter. He is a great man of faith. But we also know that Peter has messed up at times. And we know that here and now, he is, as much as he wants to admit it or not, he is a leader 
and an influencer. You see, this coronavirus, uh, it's pretty contagious. That's what's so scary about this virus. It's much more contagious than the regular flu. Statistics are still being uh, gathered together. Data is still being gathered from those who've been infected. It's, it, it's plain to say, though, that it's contagious. You know what, know what else is contagious? Fear. You start to react out of fear, and that is contagious. People catch on. You start to have doubts. You start to act certain ways in your life, and it catches on. And that's what I'm seeing in this situation. A lot of people fear, fearing what might happen. A lot of people worrying. And it's almost more contagious than the virus itself. People are living in fear. And I'm not saying it's, it's, uh, it's all uncalled for. There needs to be some wisdom and practice. But we, in many ways, can allow our lives to be shut down by fear. And we don't always understand the influence and impact that we have by how we respond to situations and circumstances. We are called to be an example in this world. We're called to be light in the midst of darkness. We're called to lead others. And Peter says, I'm going fishing. (laughs) You know what? Look what happens. Verse 3. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him... Well, I guess we'll go with you. I mean, look at it right there. They went out and got into the boat. You see the same thing happening in Luke chapter 5. Peter and the other disciples are out fishing. They're not yet disciples. They're just fishermen. They've got other jobs, other lives. They've not yet been called uh, by Jesus to leave everything and follow him. That will come and some will follow. But here they've gone back to fishing. And in order to be a fisherman, I think you've got to be pretty successful. But what was interesting about the first encounter with Peter and Jesus was that he had caught no fish at all. Many times it's when we come up empty handed that we remember we need to turn to somebody greater than ourselves. Many times it's when we hit bottom that we're willing to look up. And here Peter influences the other disciples who Jesus has just commanded them to get ready to go be disciple makers and instead they just go fishing. When we oftentimes choose to do what we want to do and not necessarily what God wants us to do, you know what happens? We don't always get what we hope for. Look what happens here in verse 5. Verse 4 and 5. Uh, Actually, end of verse 3. They went out and they got into the boat. But that night, they caught nothing. Deja vu? I don't think so. Um, Divine circumstance? I believe so. Just as the day was breaking, so it's dawn now. Um, Jesus has died on the cross. He's come and he's had a couple of meals with them. He's prepared them. He's told them, believe in me. He's given them the great commission to go out and to teach everything that, that they've been taught. And Jesus comes and he gets on the shore. 
Now, they're out about 100 yards, we're going to read, and they don't recognize that it's Jesus at first. Just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet his disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, what a dear term. But also, I wonder if in some ways, they're not acting like the grown-up men that Jesus wants them to be. Children, he calls out. Do you have any fish? <laughs> have you ever as a parent caught your kids doing something and you knew exactly what was going on, but you, you ask anyway? You look in the room and you see exactly what's going on and you're like, hey, what are you doing in there? When you know all along, Jesus knew exactly how many fish they had not caught. And yet he asks, Children! Do you have any fish? Not knowing it was Jesus, they yell back to him and they were like, no, we haven't caught anything. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat. Are you tracking here? I'm sure. I know for a fact, actually, because I've already read the story that somebody is in tune to what's going on. This is not just deja vu. This has, in fact, happened before. Cast your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. And it clicks. Verse 7. The disciple whom Jesus loved. We know that John keeps calling himself that as he's writing this book. John is in the boat. And it clicks for him. The disciple who, whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, Oh my goodness, it's, it's the Lord, it's Jesus. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, now they're out about 100 yards, we're going to read in a minute. Simon Peter heard, when he heard it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped so that he could work, so he could work those nets. He took off his outer garment. It was too hot to be doing all that work, and the, and the garment was in the way. He had taken it off, but he put on the outer garment, and he's not thinking. And he threw himself into the sea, and the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off land, about 100 yards. So John, all of a sudden, man, Where's this happened before? It must be the Lord. Peter, it's got to be him. Peter stops working. I got to get back to shore. He puts his coat on and he dives overboard, leaving the other disciples with the fish to haul back in. When they had got to land, they saw a charcoal fire already in place with fish already set out, laid on the fire, cooking and bread. Jesus had already started a fire. He had already had fish there, ready to serve, and bread waiting for the disciples. But you know what Jesus does? Is he invites them to have breakfast. Look at verse 10. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. You know what's so beautiful about this is that even though Jesus doesn't need anything from us, he often invites us to join him in the work. Jesus had already had a fire. 
and and fish cooking and bread ready. And you know how Jesus does breakfast? Breakfast. (laughs) Mention of a word and it's there. However it happened, if Jesus got there and somehow hid and and got the fire stoked and, and got the fish cooking, it doesn't matter. He's got it already going. And when they get to shore, he invites them to join him. But he says, bring some of your fish with you. You know, many times we think that what we have to offer is not needed or not necessary. But the beautiful thing is that God, just like he took the child's fish in John chapter 6, a couple loaves of bread and a few fish, and he fed the masses with it. In the same way, God has given us gifts that he wants us to use, regardless of how we think they whether they're good or bad or can be used or not. He invites us into his work. And he invites the disciples to bring some of their own fish. And the other beautiful thing that you see here is how many fish they had caught on their own. And yet when they were obedient, they had such a large catch that they had trouble pulling it in. The very thing that Christ invites us to bring came from him in the first place. Do you see that? The very provision that God is giving us during this season isn't just by the luck or the good hunting of us arriving at the store at just the right time to find the last roll of toilet paper. Every good and perfect gift that we have in our lives, even during the season, is from Him. And He invites us to share it with others. The very fish that he had given the disciples, he said, come and bring some of the fish that you caught. Bring it to me. What do you have in your life that Jesus has given you that you might be tempted to hold on to and to hoard during this season that God is wanting you to graciously share with those in need? Your neighbors, your friends, your coworkers. Who is it that you're reaching out to? Again, I keep saying this is a time of social distancing, but not social disconnecting. We are to be in the world, but not of it. We are to be wise and being protecting of others and being careful and wearing the right face masks and taking the right careful steps. But let us not pull away entirely. Let us be the salt and light of this earth and to get out and to help where Jesus shows us opportunities to be of assistance. Jesus said, bring some of the fish that you've caught. And they did. So Simon Peter went aboard and he hauled the net ashore. Uh, Peter, I just keep thinking of him as this big, burly, strong dude that often does stupid stuff. But here he goes and he grabs the fish. I don't know who counted them, but they came up with 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, one of the disciples dared, not not one of the disciples dared ask, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them. And he did so also with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. You see, the beauty of what just happens here is that Jesus meets them in the midst of the everyday. 
Jesus doesn't just wait till we're in our holy of holy moments. He doesn't just wait on us when we have the right kind of worship music playing in the background. He doesn't just come to us when we are gathered together for Bible studies or in places of worship. Jesus meets us in the everyday. He meets us on the Mondays, the Tuesdays, the Wednesdays, the Saturdays, every day. In the midst of our fishing, in the midst of our coming and going, Jesus is there. And he wants us to see that he's there to give us what we need at all times, even when things are uncertain, and most of all, when things are uncertain. And here he is, spending time with the disciples. It's not, you know, just a holy moment. It's just an everyday moment that God redeems and makes holy. And this is our season to do just that, to be the light in the midst of this darkness, to bring hope in the midst of despair, to bring peace that passes understanding. So when they had finished eating breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me? And he said to them, yes, Lord, yes, I, you know that I love you. And he said to them, Jesus said to Peter, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to them, yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. And he said to them, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And at this, Peter was grieved because he had said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to them, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. And when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by the kind of death that Peter would go through to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. I believe this little special encounter with Peter was to let Peter know that although Peter denied him three times on the night that Jesus was arrested, Jesus gave Peter three chances to, in a sense, assure himself that he did love Jesus. Jesus knew it. And so each time after Jesus, Peter's response, Jesus responds back with a call. Yeah, you love me, so take care of my sheep. Yeah, I know you love me, so feed my lambs. Jesus sees us as people who he's called and invited to use. Even those of us who have Mistakes and sin and problems in our life, like Peter did. He still is invited to be a part of God's plan for the care of the sheep of this world. Ultimately, Jesus 
it says that Jesus saw our world as sheep without a shepherd. So he came down to be that good shepherd. And now he is empowering Peter and the disciples to be the shepherds in his place. And not only does he pray for the sheep, for the shepherds that are there in the form of the disciples, he prays also for those who will come to believe by their words and those who will believe by those who believe. Praying for you and I, that we would be light and salt in this world, shepherds during these dark seasons. And, and this is the calling for us. So no matter what you've done, no matter what struggles you have a hold of you, we are to be examples of people who do not live by fear, but people who live by faith. Let me finish up chapter 21, and we'll bring things to a close. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following him, the one who also had leaned back against him during the supper. This was John. Lord, who... Uh, and said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? That was the question that Peter asked John to ask Jesus the night of the Last Supper when Judas left to betray him. It is, uh, Jesus said to Peter about John, if it is my will that he remain until I come again, what is that to you? You worry about one thing. Follow me. You follow me. So the saying spread among the brothers that the disciple John the Baptist, I mean John, not the John the Baptist, but John the Beloved, was not going to die. Yet Jesus did not say this about him, that he would not die. He simply said, if it is my will that he remain until I come, what is it to you? A little side note, John ended up writing the book of John. 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, the book of Revelations, and he did die, uh, as did Peter, as did most of the disciples. Well, they all died, but most of them died either in prison or being martyred for their faith. Verse 24, this is the disciple who is bearing witness about these things and who is writing these things, and we know that this testimony is true. Now, there are many other things that Jesus did were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books uh, that would be written. The truth from this story is that everything that John wrote, he wrote so that we would believe that Jesus is the Son of God and the Messiah. We are here seeing encouragement that even though we may doubt and struggle and go through seasons and circumstances of uncertain times, Jesus still has a plan for us to love and care for those who he has placed around us. We are called to be vessels of light and vessels of hope. We are called to live by faith and not by fear. We are called to live sacrificially and not selfishly. Jesus said this in Matthew 5, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a light uh, or light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds. 
so they may see in you hope, so they may see in you love, so they may see in you your faith, and that they will ultimately come to glorify our Father in heaven. During this time, people are afraid, people are unsettled, people are anxious, and we will continue to give good practical examples as you tune in the next several weeks, diving into what we can do in the time of fear and anxiety and anxiousness and unsettledness. But people are looking for hope. And you know what? Those of you who are part of this church, the body of Christ, and especially our local church, Hope Hill Church, we are to be hope dealers. Light shiners, love givers, we are here to give people hope. The virus can be highly and is highly contagious, but I'm praying that our hope would be more contagious. I'm praying that our love for our Lord would be more contagious. I'm believing that the love and hope of Jesus would spread faster than this virus, that we would be examples of hope and love and a firm foundation in the midst of this uncertain time. Will you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for your love for us. I thank you that you are a hope dealer. I thank you that you are a love giver, that you are a light shiner, and that we would walk in your footsteps and be that example in the midst of this crisis, that we would give hope, that we would point others to you, Over and above all, Lord Jesus, we pray that if there are some who do not yet know you, that even through this time, others would come to know you and your love for them. If you're listening to my voice right now, I want you to know that there is a God in heaven who loves you. And there is a God who is here in the midst of this crisis. He knows everything you're dealing with. He knows everything you're going through. And if you have never invited him into your life, you can do so right now. He wants to give you hope. He wants to give you peace. He wants you to know that despite your your doubts, your fears, the sin in your life, he loves you still. And he died on a cross and we celebrated his resurrection from the dead last week so that you can have forgiveness and new life. If you want to accept Jesus into your life as your Savior and your Lord, as the one who can bring you hope in the midst of this season, then call out to him right now. You can pray with me right here, right now, and just say, Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to this earth. Thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross in my place to die for me. Forgive me for the sins that I've done, And help me to learn to follow you. Come into my life and make me new. In the midst of this season of uncertainty, be my hope. Be my peace. Come into my life and help me to not live in fear, but to live in a faith that grows in you. Come into my life and make me new. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to direct message me, instant message me, go to Facebook Messenger, Text me. My number is 703-919-5396. Let me know 
If you have called out to the Lord and you want his hope in your life, if you started a new life with him today by inviting him in to be your savior, let me know in the comments below, message me directly, text me, let me know. I want to be a source of encouragement in your life. He is here to be your hope. To the rest of you out there who already know who Jesus is, continue to let your light shine in the midst of this darkness. It's crazy out there, but we have been given a mission to let our light shine, that others would come to find our Father and know them as their own. Do that with me, will you? Help me to be a hope dealer. Help me to be a light shiner and a love giver. And let's lead others to Jesus. I love you all. And we'll see you next week as we dive in to how the Bible can and how Jesus can help us deal with our faith, by uh, deal with our fear uh, through our faith, the anxiety and the anxious times of this season. He has truth for us. I love you. We'll see you soon.